Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, bears, Vendorians, and Ooh. things to episode 43 of the Muppet Trek podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman, and we're here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. And what are those, Steve? As the Muppets and Star Trek, we will be and have been doing one-to-one reviews of the Muppet Show and Star Trek the Original Series. And tonight we're covering the Muppet Show with special guest star Don Knotts and Star Trek Original Series episode Wolf in the Fold, but... For the second time ever, we have a guest, or maybe third time, I don't know, second time, I think. Second, second time, I think. <laughs> we have a guest on the show, and that means uh, we have a guest episode from a different series to go along with the other two. And who is that guest in that episode, Steve? That's right. Our special treat this week and second guest is fellow podcaster uh, Louis Gaudio from the, is it, it's Robots versus Dinosaurs. Robots come That's first. That's right. Robots first. Okay. Robots <laughs> versus Dinosaurs best. podcast. <laughs> Uh, and we're excited to have him with us. So Welcome, thank you for joining us, Louie. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Uh, awesome. t- tell us, uh, tell our audience a little bit more about the Robots vs. Dinosaur podcast. Uh, so Robots vs. Dinosaurs is the podcast where we watch a movie. I, I invite a guest, a, a co-host on every week, and I have them pick the movie. The only criteria is it has to feature a robot or a dinosaur. So it's often <laughs> sci-fi movies, of course. Well, and yes. um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, because my guest picks it, picks it, it's also usually somebody's favorite movie. And, and the, that's kind of the core of what the podcast is about, is me sort of interviewing somebody about their favorite movie or a movie they really like that may, might be silly or might not be that well remembered, but it is by them. Hmm. Uh, well, as a podcast that has reviewed a lot of ill remembered films over the years, <laughs> we certainly appreciate that. And appreciate the difficulty of having a different guest every week that's, or every podcast. That's, that's really difficult. Yes, that's incredible. Mm. We're on, you know, this is episode, what, 43, and you're our second guest? <laughs> <laughs> We're a little behind. Behind the times. I'm cur- currently shaking up the formula a little bit because I got obsessed with WandaVision, and technically that has a robot. Oh. So you're not wrong. Not at all. So, <laughs> uh, so I got a guest, um, my friend Ryan, that's a huge fan of the show big MCU fan and we've just been doing coverage of that week by week. So it's my first time covering a TV show, mm. but okay. I really, I really enjoy that uh, switch up of the format a little. Okay. Yeah. What are you finding? What are the challenges with the new format? Um, the challenges it's actually, I, man, it's actually harder to think of what the challenges are. Everything. Okay. Else that's easy. great. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That means you've set up a good format for yourself. If it's easy. <laughs> mm, because with a movie, a movie is always going to be a longer review. Te- mm. Typically, it's going to be about the length of the, of the movie. But with the show, I never really go over like 45 minutes or an hour. So that's true. That's longer yeah. than the show. Usually. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In some cases. Yeah. Now you uh, need a, a dinosaur show to go along with it. Uh, right. Yeah, maybe Disney's Dinosaurs because it's also on Disney Plus. That's true. Well, we're we're going to be reviewing that a few years uh, down the road. Um, But before we get there, Louie, tell me about what show you chose to add to our Muppet Trek lineup. 
So I brought in 30 Rock and the episode, uh, season two, episode 14, Sandwich Day. Which is apparently a pretty famous episode, right? Amongst the fans, especially. It's a good, as soon as I saw Sandwich Day, I was like, ah, yes, Sandwich Day. <laughs> I was very excited. Um, it, it's certainly, it has, maybe not iconic, but notable. <laughs> it has a lot of great, memorable memes, like, where's my mac and cheese? Or uh, I'll, uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll cut you so bad, you'll have a chin. You'll all have chins. <laughs> uh, my favorite person is Jenna Maroney and her line, I'll do it, but only for the attention. <laughs> only for the attention. <laughs> I guess we'll get to more of that later. That's true. There's a lot of them in there. Uh, yeah, we will. Um, but well, before we get to that. Oh, yeah. First, segue. Steve, tell us about uh, our guest we have this week on The Muppet Just Guest Star. Uh, Don, right. <laughs> the Don Knotts. <laughs> Bush League. Bush League. Don Knotts uh, was an American comedy icon. He won five Emmy Awards for his work on The Andy Griffith Show and also had a very long reoccurring nutty neighbor role, Ralph Furley on Three's Company. He was in classic iconic films like The Apple Dumpling Gang and The Apple Dumpling Gang Rides Again. Oh. What does our audience know him from? <laughs> Well, he was the TV repairman in the now cult classic Pleasantville. Mm. That's right. Or maybe this week's episode of The Muppet Show. That's right. The backstage plot this week centers around the fact that Fozzie helps to plan the show. He picks the music. Floyd comes seemingly to complain, only to declare that Fozzie is a hip dude. <laughs> and gives him some cool guy sunglasses, which cause Fozzie to stumble around backstage and Animal to attack him enthusiastically. On stage this week, however, Kermit introduces Don Knotts and a spicy opening number, Sweet Gingerbread Man. A great number with human-sized dancing gingerbread men and a puppet in the foreground. Very clever, very clean, very nice. Fozzie reveals to the audience he is helping plan the show and introduces the next number, which is an inner space number, quote-unquote. This is the windmills of your mind, a crazy green three-legged monster uh, racing to the end of the number when he actually fall, like runs into a windmill in his mind. <laughs> Kermit introduces Don in the Beast of the Week, an animal exhibit style show. A cute orange monster escapes its cage, causes some havoc, and then its huge orange mother comes to get it. Don Notch just making silly faces the entire time. <laughs> Next, we get Veterinarian's Hospital, which is always Jarman's favorite, where the crazed green monster from Windmill of Your Mind is on the table, and it's just a lot of foot and leg puns, as you would expect. <laughs> oh, yeah. Following this, we get Burlington Birdie of Bow, a ritzy British gentleman. Uh, talking about his ritzy British life, basically. Afterward, we get a talk spot on the wall where Fozzie wanders out wearing his cool guy sunglasses, saying he can't see, and Don Knotts talks about how he's also very cool and pulls out his own cool guy sunglasses <laughs> and then wanders <laughs> off stage blindly. We have another live animal appearance this episode, which is crazy, with Rolf singing What a Wonderful World to an actual sleeping puppy. Friggin adorable. I wasn't sure it wasn't dead at first. I thought it was a dead puppy. <laughs> <laughs> thought they'd pull a Milo and Otis. That was cool. uh, finally, Fozzie uh, introduces Lullaby of Birdland. Don plays the upright, upright bass and it gets funky as Don struggles to keep up with the electric mayhem in this hot jam. Kermit thanks Don Knotts one last time. Fozzie has his cool guy sunglasses revoked <laughs> and Don assures him that it's beautiful to be square. And that is what we call 
The Muppet Show. Oh, you didn't have the Swedish chef making his fish chowder in this episode? I could not find a clean version of it. I read about it, but I didn't actually view it, so I didn't want to review it. Oh, Lou and I had the Swedish chef making the fish chowder. You rat bastards. I can't wait till there's good, complete versions (laughs) on Disney Plus in like a week. Uh, Oh, and better quality too. Yeah, that'll be great. But It'll be the best quality I've ever seen it in. I'm very excited. Basically, mm-hmm. Swedish Chef just tries to make fish chowder, and the fish almost drowns him in the uh, the pot. But yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it was just good. Ah, damn, I missed it. <laughs> Bastards. Uh, okay, so what did you guys think of this week's episode of The Muppet Show with Don Knotts? Go ahead, Lou. Uh, well, tell I, I, I have a question about The Muppet Show. What What time did it air when it was on TV? Oh, good uh, oh, Lord. I think this was in like an evening variety spot, if I remember correctly. Ah. It's, it's, it's so good and like so out there and brave and, it, and confident in a weird way. And I, I feel like it just television peaked with Rolf singing to a sleeping puppy. <laughs> like they just that's such a confident bit. <laughs> I can't Damn tell right. if you're being sarcastic or not. <laughs> no, 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 I can like, tell he's, he's legit. It's so adorable, and it's so it doesn't make any sense when you think about it. Mm-hmm. It it makes less sense the more you think about it. It's a <laughs> puppet dog singing to an actual sleeping puppy. The dog, the puppy, the real puppy, is either oblivious to what's going on or just like <laughs> or dead. Really <laughs> or dead. It might be dead. <laughs> but it looks so comforted by this. Oh, yeah. and I was too. It would just. This was the most comfortable, comforting thing I've had, like three minutes. Well, I mean, of you got to figure at this seen. point, Rolf had had a 15 year basically run with American household dogs after he was the spokes dog for Purina, I believe, <laughs> oh, for a very goodness. long time and featured in commercials with real dogs. Uh, so if anything, I, maybe that's why they were so cocky. Rolf has dog right. experience is what you're Rolf saying. Rolf has dog experience. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right that it's bold and that I, I didn't know what time it came on either. And that it's an evening show. But like a lot of things are really just super family friendly and saccharine and for children even. And so there are things for adults, of course, the Muppets. But it's definitely very family kid friendly for an evening show. So I think that's kind of interesting that that's the case. Um, so that's bold in and of itself, I guess. That's true. Um, what did John, what did you think about John uh, about Don Knotts this uh, week? How did you think he did? I think Don was uh, all right. <laughs> I mean, I grew up watching <laughs> him on uh, the Andy Griffith Show. Uh, my stepdad is obsessed with the Andy Griffith Show, and so we watched a lot of it. And he was he was perfectly suited for that role, um, the dopey, you know, bumbling kind of sh- uh, sheriff deputy. And and this, it just felt like some of this comedy was very forced and just not as natural as you'd hoped it be for someone who'd been doing that kind of comedy yeah. for decades but he was better suited towards some sketches than others and he really seemed to be you know falling in love with the muppets and he like looked them straight in the eye it's always a big thing i look for the host if they can just take it seriously and i think he really got that part down like really feeling comfortable with them but his comedy just not for me i guess it's kind of what it would go for that's fair what would you think louis how'd don do he, yeah, he does. Uh, his signature seems to be mugging to the camera, like in that <laughs> opening sketch. When I, I don't really understand the setup, but when the, that giant Muppet is like, "You don't like chorus girls," and then he just mugs to the camera. <laughs> yeah. Um. I noted. I wrote down that John, Don Knotts. If you put Don Knotts next to Rodney Dangerfield, and and they were in uh, Mario and Luigi costume, he <laughs> uh, <laughs> wouldn't have to. <laughs> Do any writing? It just, the, 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 the a, I would watch that movie. 
B, do it, Hollywood. Hey, you're stealing my act. I'm looking at the camera. (laughs) No respect. No respect. (laughs) That's really... I'm surprised. Was he ever on The Muppet Show? Ryan Dangerfield? I don't think so. He's the right time era, you know? I don't know. It would be. Taylor made for it. That surprises me that he was never on. Uh, I think the music was good this week and a good representation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Windmill of Your Mind was short, sweet, and funny. Mm-hmm. You know, you got What a Wonderful World, which we've all commented on, which is so sweet as long as that puppy is alive. <laughs> uh, if anything, I thought maybe Lullaby of Birdland was a little bit disappointing, especially as the entire B-plot of the episode built to it. Mm, that's true. So I don't know if there's any performance Don could have given there that would have been big enough to make up for this thing they'd been building the entire episode. And I just don't know if it exists. I thought the gingerbread number would give me nightmares as a child. Oh, I love that gingerbread <laughs> number. It was oh, and you get to hear like a new phobia for me. Like <laughs> weird Frank Oz child singing kind of. I, I like you said, it's technically impressive, but it's a new nightmare for me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very true. Oh, man. Uh, I did like they brought back on the wall. What's on the wall? Like when, when uh, like Don Knotts, the talk spot. Oh, talk spot, okay. Way. Gotcha. Yeah, I yeah. like that they at least had some of that that's been missing this season. It was good to see a veterinarian's hospital in there. Yeah. Good um, missing for a while. This is kind of a middling to low episode for me, I think. Hmm. Any other thoughts on it, Lou, that you were good or bad, I guess? Um, you know, maybe the the whole thing with Lullaby of Birdland ending up being an underwhelming number is just proof that Kermit really should be running the show. Oh, <laughs> maybe that was the joke. It's that Kermit was <laughs> right. It was terrible. <laughs> That's great. That's I like true. That. I like that. OK, <laughs> that's right. Fozzie planned his parts and I planned the good parts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd say a middling episode as well. Not terrible by any means, but just, you know, kind I mean, of I like. I like that fan theory, so I'm going to run with it. Uh, yeah, that makes the episode better for me. <laughs> uh, some some music this week. Sweet Gingerbread Man, uh, aside from giving you nightmares, was from a guy named Mike uh, Michael Michelle Legrand, uh, originally from 1970 movie called The Magic Garden of Stanley Sweetheart, okay. a movie about hmm. sex and drugs in New York City. The original recording was a by a guy named The Mike Curb Congregation. And Mike Kerb later went into politics at the encouragement of Ronald Reagan and was elected lieutenant governor of California in 1978. Huh. Uh, the Windmills of Your Mind, also a Legrand. This won the Academy Award for Best Original Song after being featured in the 1968 Thomas Crown Affair. Uh-huh. That goofy, goofy song. Burlington Birdie from Bow, a classic British music hall song made famous by a male impersonator which I didn't know, but was apparently like a keystone of British music halls for a long time. Ella Shields, but she actually wasn't from the UK. She was born in Maryland here in the US. Yeah, that number was kind of boring. I forgot about that one because it was forgettable. (laughs) Right. And the song was really nothing. There was no good, clean punch lines. There was just nothing to lead to. Yeah. Uh, What a wonderful world. This was first recorded by Louis Armstrong. He did it. This was huge in the UK. Uh, but the head of ABC Records at the time just didn't like it. So it just didn't do well in the U.S. <laughs> and it wasn't until it was featured in uh, the 1978 Good Morning Vietnam mm. that it was re-released and hit Billboard Top 50 here in the U.S. Good morning, Vietnam. That movie? Yeah. Yes. 
Uh, Lullaby of Birdland by a guy named George Shearing. He was from the UK, came over to New York and played piano in a bunch of big clubs, including one called Birdland. This club decided to start hosting a weekly radio show live from the club, which was apparently a huge thing to do at the time. And while trying to pick a song, Shearing said that he would write one. He spent weeks just commiserating over it and then had a eureka moment and jotted it down in about 10 minutes. Nice. Yeah. But what do you think was the best Muppeteering moment this week? For sure, it was uh, Rolf singing to the dog because because the puppy stayed. It was asleep for most of most of the time. So it was so comfortable with what that puppeteer was doing. And I just think that. It's it sounds I think it sounds silly, but it just speaks to the level of confidence of those performers. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Wow, I, yeah, you're not wrong. Um, I put mine for the little triple looking monster scene, um, mm. the one that was jumping around and Don. Even though Don Knotts was just mugging for half of that thing, <laughs> but the puppeteering was done very well. Like because every time it was down on a surface, its mouth was moving like it was talking, and then they had to bounce it around again and cut away and go back, and then they had to pull it up through his clothes and make it protrude out of his chest and everything and up his butt and everything and on his shoulder. And it's like, well, that just looked really challenging, you know? So I was think that was just really well done. A lot done. of movement. A lot yeah. of movement. You feel like that You're thing right. was really alive and flying around the room. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, you might not like this. I've got to give it to sweet gingerbread man. <laughs> uh, I think the, the flattened full-size dancers, the coordination, the choreography, and then the puppet down front in the foreground. That's true. Made for a very mm. clean and clever image. And that puppet in the foreground, big guys in the background is not really something I think we've seen a lot of thus far in the Muppet show. So in that way, it's also unique. Yeah, because they made the puppet look like it was the same size as the other guys. That was kind of right, right by pl- by playing with sort of the flattening. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was neat. It was mm-hmm. smart. So I, the, for that reason, and because it's going to give you nightmares, I've got to give it to them. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So, Louis, tell us about this week's episode of 30 Rock that we're reviewing. All right. We're talking about uh, season two, episode 14 episode, Sandwich Day. Um, this episode starts with Jack is talking to, uh, Rip Torn. I forget his character's name. Oh, yeah. Geis. Yes. Mr. Geis is in a coma. I forget why. It's been a long time since I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> I have context. It doesn't matter. He's in a coma. <laughs> um, he's talking to him about how his son-in-law is ruining everything. And Kathy, his daughter is ruining everything. And he is getting moved down from the uh, his his office to the eleventh floor, which is dismal and dystopian. And the other plot going on with Liz is that um, well, she kind of has two plots going on. One is that Floyd is in town. Floyd is uh, Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, and he is, I believe, at this point in the show, an ex. Um, yes, and he's in town briefly. He wants to see her. She is debating whether or not she kind of wants to seduce him while he's in town. And the other plot, the main plot, uh, Sandwich Day, is that it's Sandwich Day, which is when the Teamsters go to this mysterious place in Brooklyn they won't tell anybody about once a year. Um, But they come back with these amazing sandwiches that they bought everyone. And someone steals and eats Liz's sandwich. No. Which, (laughs) exactly. As soon as you hear that, like... This is season two, like, and you know Liz Lemon by this point. As soon as you hear someone's going to eat her food, it's nothing else in the episode matters. That's all you can focus on. (laughs) 
Uh, and so they have to come up with a way to get the food, the, uh, the sandwich back. And the Teamsters agree to a drinking contest, which Jenna volunteers for um, and pretty much is their ace in the hole. Um, and it culminates in Liz running through the airport to catch up with Floyd, but she has to eat her sandwich <laughs> at the... Um, what is it? The security checkpoint. I love how they don't cut away for that. She eats the whole thing in the shot. Like it's amazing. <laughs> you expect, yeah, you expect them to cut and she just freaking goes for it. <laughs> That's where you see like Tina Fey is really like has her roots in, in, uh, dedicated. improv. And, yeah. She's so dedicated <laughs> to the bit. Um, um, yeah, that's pretty much see. all I got on the plot. I might, I might've missed a few things, but that's pretty nah, much That's fine. That's yeah. close enough. Yeah. Cause Alec Baldwin, uh, Jack does not get his, uh, anything resolved yet in this episode for his situation being stuck on the 12th floor. And then, um, uh, <laughs> and then it ends with him deciding he has to leave GE. Yeah. yeah. He kind of fails upward. He's appointed the head of crisis and weather management. So the government, <laughs> yeah. For, yeah. <laughs> by the Bush administration, <laughs> uh, which in itself is like a joke later on in the season. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty awesome. Uh, well, I like that you picked this show because, uh, A, it's a show about a show, mm-hmm. which in itself is very Muppety. And then on top of that, you have a character like Liz Lemon, who is effectively Kermit. That's true. Yes. Just trying to get all these people to do things while things shenanigans just happen backstage. Yeah, I didn't think about that. It's a similarity. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely a show about a show. Something y'all track in every episode of Muppet Track that I've I've started noticing is... The Muppets, when you review the the Muppets, there tends to be a through an A through line of usually involving the the guest star, mm-hmm. um, and then a through line involving all the backstage shenanigans. Right. Like, that they're, so it's uh, Thirty Rock was such a strong parallel. I saw so many similarities. And I feel really like fun. Tina Fey is definitely a fan of the Muppets for sure. Mm. She has to be. Well, I mean, she was in one of the films. That's right. There you go. Well, I hadn't seen this uh, this episode in years because um, I haven't watched this whole thing through in years and years. But uh, I think it was a great way of reminding me of all the characters. Like each character has a good amount of screen time. Um, even the C- CEO's daughter-in-law, like Mrs. Geist or whatever, the crazy daughter. <laughs> Kathy, <laughs> Kathy. Kathy Geist. <laughs> She's like in her 50s, but she loves unicorns and Mark Wahlberg. I just thought that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it makes me want to rewatch it. And I love Brian Dennehy, who is like a great, you know, classic actor. He's been around forever. Such a classic head of the Teamsters. He so was, good. He's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Jack McBriar. Uh, what's his character name? I can't remember. Um, Kenneth. Kenneth, Kenneth, the page. Um, but just that in the end, he saves them by finishing the drinking game because he's like, oh, that's <laughs> that old mountain milk. I drink that since I was a baby. And then he starts drinking. He drinks them all under the table. <laughs> that's hill people milk. <laughs> yeah, hill people milk. <laughs> that's, I did love the serendipitous resolve of all of them suddenly being able to drink. Yeah. <laughs> just, so, just so clean and ridiculous. <laughs> Frank suddenly doesn't need to be on antibiotics anymore. <laughs> so good. It can all start they drinking. They really rallied as a team, finally. Exactly. I also love that he lied about why he was on antibiotics. Oh, I didn't catch that. some skanky club sex. <laughs> and, then, and then Lutz outs him. Nah, he just lost his lucky pen and he thinks it's in his ear again. Oh, God. <laughs> I missed that one. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, 
But yeah, and just, I noticed that all the music throughout these episodes are always great. They have like great music throughout this whole show. It's very like carnival esque at times, and um, it's just I don't know. It's 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 worth watching. Man, seeing well, the folks. T- Tina Fey's husband is the composer. Oh, the I forgot about that. Okay. That's right. So all the, the the show is the whole show is very very well composed for that reason. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Uh, I think my favorite moment in the episode was uh, when they get the sandwiches and all the guys have eaten theirs and they look over and Lutz is eating his very slowly. <laughs> and they're like, he's savoring it. Get him. And they all go over and gang up on him <laughs> like a pack of middle school boys. Think you better than us. <laughs> yeah, think you Oh, it's like needles. I can't eat it too fast or my stomach will explode. It will explode. <laughs> <laughs> Lutz is such a great tragic character. If you follow his line through the whole show, he gets more and more tragic. Mm. He's like the guy in Archer well, gets shot every episode. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember this, ep- this episode of the next one, but at some point someone uh, makes fun for, for getting surgery for an undescended testicle. And his response is, ha, it was two undescended testicles. <laughs> this is such a good moment. Uh, 30 Rock, great pick. Yeah, and a, great with a couple little things of trivia there for this episode. Um, apparently, mm. as of 2020, there is still no IKEA in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> They're never going to get it. <laughs> and in her 2011 autobiography, Bossy Pants, Tina Fey says this is one of her four favorite scripts of the whole show. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, so there you go. That's uh, good stuff. It's a good episode. <laughs> if Liz is Kermit, um, I definitely think Kenneth is Scooter, but do you guys do you think do you see any other very strong like parallels between any of the? Uh, I mean, Gonzo would be Tracy, mm. like always Who's trying to Jenna? do the most crazy, obscene thing. Jenna's Miss if Piggy. Dave... <laughs> oh my God, she is. You're right. Well, Jenna's yeah. either Miss Piggy or maybe a morbid version of um, Fozzie. Like the constant need for like desire and that's attention true. and worrying mm. about their position constantly. That being said, that's also very piggy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I see Pete as Fuzzy. <laughs> I can see that. Just trying to hold it together. Uh-huh. Which one is the bald producer? What's his name? That's Pete. Pete, Pete Hornberger. Well, that is Pete. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Hornberger. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, Jarman. Tell us about this week's episode of Star Trek, the original series. All right. So this week we have Wolf in the Fold. So we have Kirk, Scotty and Bones who are off enjoying shore leave on the peaceful planet Ar- Argelus 2. And Scotty is quite taken with the belly dancer, the club they're lounging at. So he chats her up and they end up going off together into the night. So Kirk and Bones decide to leave to go to a new club where the women do that thing that they never say what it is. Um, (laughs) But as they're walking, they hear a scream and they find the belly dancer dead, stabbed to death. And Scotty standing over the body looking dazed with a knife in his hand. And Scotty claims he can't remember what happened. So Scotty is detained and an investigation is undergone by a Mr. Hengist. Or is it Hengist? I can't remember. Hengist? Hengist. Um, He's from off off planet because uh, the Argelians are so peaceful. They don't even have police. They just like having sex all the time. Um, That's right. So Kirk convinces the Argelian leader to allow them to beam down a technician from the Enterprise with a psycho tricorder. Because that's a thing. Which apparently will uh, (laughs) (laughs) will help Scotty remember exactly what happened. 
So they beam down a female technician with the psycho tricorder, and for some reason they put her in a room alone with a suspected murderer. And uh, suddenly they hear a sc- <laughs> <laughs> they hear a scream, and she ends up stabbed to death. And Scotty is nearby, unconscious, with a knife once again. So now they bring in the Argelian leader's wife, uh, who's a practicer of ancient seance type mental ability stuff, and she's going to be able to suss out what happened with Scotty with this kind of seance thing. Um, so all the other witnesses are also rounded up and suspects are rounded up to be in the same room with, for the seance. And Kirk suggests that they lock the room down so no one can enter or leave. Um, so then they once again, don't restrain Scotty and they have him sit down right next to and hold hands with the woman who's going to do the seance. Uh, the lights go off and when they come back on, she's stabbed to death and dead and Scotty's holding a knife in her back. (laughs) So (laughs) this is, they're real smart. Um, before the lights went out, uh, she mentioned the names of Kesla, Baratus, Red Jack, and some kind of monstrous, terrible evil. Um, but then, yeah, now she's dead. So they all beam on board the Enterprise to continue the investigation, and they have this glorified lie detector there, um, which they can use to put your hand on. They ask you a question, and it can tell if you're lying through the computer. So finally, they get um, Scotty up there, and they find he's not lying, that he doesn't remember killing any of these women, but he does remember an evil presence right before he found... Um, himself behind uh, Saibo with a knife in her back, uh, the lady. So they're confused by this evil presence thing because he's not lying about it. Um, so Kirk and Spock use the computer to investigate the names that the lady spoke, which was one of them was Red Jack, which apparently was a nickname for Jack the Ripper. And the other nicknames were all for unsolved strings of murders that happened throughout the last few centuries across planets. Uh, so they then make this jump that this must be an ancient incorporeal ent- entity that feeds off of fear. And they narrow it down to the only person it could be is the investigator, Mr. Hengist, um, because he the knife that was used for the killings was from the planet that Mr. Hengist was from. So when Mr. Hengist realizes they're onto him, he tries to flee, but he's knocked out by Kirk, uh, which sends the incorporeal entity away from him and into the ship's computer. And it takes over the ship and is trying to scare everyone to gain power from their fear. This makes it's perfect sense. So the battle <laughs> to battle this uh, bones gives everyone in the ship a sedative, making them all feel drunky and happy uh, so they won't be scared. So it can't feed off their fear. And then they give the computer the task of expressing pi to its last decimal point, which eventually causes the computer to shut down and go crazy, you know. <laughs> and so the entity leaves the computer and enters the Argelian leader guy. Um, who then gets Vulcan nerve pinched. So then it goes back to Mr. Hengist, who they then sedate and they beam him into space into billions and trillions of different atoms so that he'll take him too long to get back together and he'll eventually die. Uh, so yeah, that's the crazy episode of Wolf in the Fold, everyone. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Lou, what do you think of that episode? When you were going through that synopsis, I was nodding along and I don't watch a lot of Star Trek. So I was like, uh-huh, yep, I remember that, I remember that. And then when you got to the uh, Baratus Kessler Red Jack thing, I was like, oh yeah, that's when the episode got crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah, all, yes. all of that other stuff was whatever, but that's when it went bonkers. <laughs> it went off the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> was this a particularly bonkers episode of Star Trek? I mean, on the scale, probably, yeah, on the spectrum. Usually they're a little more science-based and not so more like, is this some kind of spiritual weird entity kind of thing and seances? <laughs> That's not a usual thing in this, uh, which is funny because the guy who wrote this episode, I don't recall his name, but he actually wrote this exact same story for an episode of something called Thriller, which was uh, hosted by uh, Boris Karloff, the guy who played Frankenstein in the 70s. 
Uh, wow. Well, he, he hosted in the 70s, he played Frankenstein back in the 30s, obviously. And so he wrote this whole story about how uh, Jack the Ripper was actually an entity that could live throughout time and was killing women and they had to stop it somehow. And then they just barely adapted it for Star Trek for this episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> they tried a little. Yeah. So, yeah, that's sorry. I was a little side note there. But, yeah, that's, you're, you're right. It's a little it's a little on the weird deep end there. <laughs> uh, the things I liked about uh, this episode, I like that we got to see a lot of like, I feel like normally you get to meet like one or two additional characters. But I feel like this is one of the rare times we got to meet like five additional named characters. Hmm. That's just a rare occurrence in general. So that was kind of a nice breakup. Uh, it was nice to see a more confined episode because in reality it was what three locations. Yeah, pretty much reasonably. Um, and you know, I like it anytime they just invent magic space technology that never comes up again. <laughs> and so the psycho tricorder <laughs> or whatever, like we're never going to see that again, but I'm sure it'll be useful a thousand times after this fucking moment. Of course, <laughs> but we'll never see it again. <laughs> Probably so, not. you know, any, I like anytime they make up space magic, um, <laughs> things I didn't like, they were. I don't know. It felt at moments almost flippant about the murders. And I think German, you touched yeah. a little bit on this in that like, Oh yeah, he, they just left her alone in a room with someone they thought murdered a woman a little while ago. Yeah. Like, in that regard, the whole thing felt very kind of up in the air. Yeah. Um, that being said, piglet guy, maybe that was, maybe that's the intention. Maybe he <laughs> wanted everything to feel random and crazy. <laughs> I thought he was poo, not piglet. Oh, that's piglet. Oh, okay, yeah, Mister Hengist. I'll talk for those about it. I'll who, talk about yeah, it. Yeah, he he plays Piglet and We the Pooh uh, for a yeah. long time until like 2009 or something like that. He was Piglet. <laughs> oh, Pooh Bear. He that that guy in this in this episode is is the voice of Piglet you have in your head. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> so, Lou, how much Star Trek have you seen before? Not a whole lot. I kind of I kind of watched a lot of uh, uh, Next Generation growing up, and I nice. have seen. The movie Generations is uh, with Michael Ma- uh, Malcolm McDowell, right? Oh yeah, I love that. Yes, movie. it's my favorite oh, one. That's one. the one I've seen. Um, <laughs> I I like Star Trek. I'm just I'm not a huge Star Trek fan, so I've never really gotten like deep deep into it. Right. Well, um, check out the Muppet Trek podcast because we're a gateway drug <laughs> to getting yes. started on original Star Trek. <laughs> it's very fun. I was really surprised with. I mean, it's crazy. It was absolutely. Uh, it, it was it wasn't hard to follow what was going on in the episode, even that, <laughs> even when it got crazy, because I was like, oh, I've seen Scooby-Doo. Right. right. <laughs> That's a great comparison to this episode. Scooby-Doo. That's true. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Who's the mass killer? Uh, <laughs> oh, it was me, Pooh Bear. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any more uh, factoids, German? Uh, yeah, I mean, this want to close out our discussion here, I guess uh, there was obviously some chauvinism. I, I have to apologize to yeah. Lou for that because, you know, there, that's throughout 60s Star Trek, unfortunately. But that's just the there thing. are some episodes where it's worse than others. Uh, but we just reviewed an episode where basically the, the female lead started really, really strong and then fell apart to tears literally 10 minutes in. <laughs> it's like you're so close to having a female character. It was character. like, oh, come on. You almost wrote a good female character. You were so <laughs> close. <laughs> it's almost this like benevolent sexism where it's like, <laughs> hey, we, you know, we're aware that they, I think they literally say women are more easily and more deeply terrified. 
Um, oh yeah. Just as a general statement, and they they seem to like their position seems to be um, we're aware of that, and we're not uh, we don't hold it against them, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, poor unfortunate women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh jeez, and the yeah the, the outfits. Uh, anyways, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I like that there was a mystery through it, and that's funny that you said Scooby Doo because it was very much like a Scooby Doo mystery. That's very accurate. Mm. Uh, just a few factoids. Uh, this episode was made around the time that Leonard Nimoy had earned an Emmy nomination for his portrayal of Mr. Spock on the previous season. Uh, okay. So William Shatner has admitted that this put him made him very upset. Um, and because he wasn't getting enough attention. So it led to tensions between the two actors on the episode uh, when this episode came out was being filmed. So there's a conscious effort on the part of the writers to sideline Nimoy for this episode and give Shatner more screen time, which is pretty evident because ah, okay. Spock was up on the ship. He wasn't even there for most of the episode. I could see that. Um, and the actress who was going to play the belly dancer in the beginning uh, she recalled in a memoir, they sent me to the makeup department because they wanted to do something extravagant with my look. The first day, they put feathers of different colors all over my face, on my eyelashes, my eyelids, my nose. And then they took me to the director, and he said, no, no, less. And the makeup people kept trying to match his vision for four days with less and less feathers and fewer colors each time. But the director kept saying no. Finally, on the fifth day, she came in with no makeup, and he said... That's it. That's what I want to see. Her face. <laughs> so, oh, my God. She did her own belly dance choreography for the scene, but due to censorship concerns, they had to cover her navel with a jeweled flower because, remember, navels back then were dirty. Um, that was a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what are you going to say? So I remember the last time we saw them, uh, the trivia was that they had to sneak the censor out to, like, a drunken lunch. Oh, yeah. While they exactly. filmed it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it worked. And it worked. It got aired. Um, and also, if you watch Next Generation, folks, uh, this episode that Scotty is actually on in Next Generation uh, is called Relics. He actually describes this episode and he says he was back on Argelis 2. He was in a wee bit of trouble. <laughs> so he, oh, yeah, he mentions, cool. yeah, he calls back to this episode. Um, and actually, there's a, the, the courtroom scene, the hearing um, that goes on for 15 minutes and 30 seconds is the longest uninterrupted scene in all of the original series. Um, they'd never gone that long in one scene before, which I thought was kind of fascinating. And then we, I didn't really notice it going on for too long. So that's pretty impressive. It was very, uh, like 12 angry men almost. Yeah. Yeah. So it worked. So that's it for the trivia. What you got for our Trek Ooh. Muppet 30 Rock connections? This week, oh Steve. my gosh. Okay. So I've got some mix and match and then I've got a few that are all three. It's very exciting. Oh, uh, so Muppets and Trek Don Knotts was known uh, for his role in the Andy Griffith show, which shared multiple sets with Star Trek because they because it filmed on RKO 40, which later became Desilu Studios when Lucille Ball bought it. That's right. So they shared a lot of sets. Uh, John Fielder, uh, who played Hellskin. What the hell is his name? Helmist. Okay. Mr. Helmet. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, most widely known for playing Piglet, as we mentioned. Well, Winnie the Pooh is played by notable voice actor Jim Cummings who provided a voice for the 1997 PC game Star Trek Starfleet Academy. <laughs> I don't know how you find this yeah. shit. <laughs> I know, uh, I try. Um, and then 30 Rock and Muppets, Tina Fey had a large role in Muppets Most Wanted, playing the head of the gulag. And in an episode of 30 Rock, My Whole Life is Thunder, when Jack Donahue's mother dies, Kermit speaks at her funeral. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. All right, now I've got two... Uh, Oh, no, wait, I've got the good ones down at the bottom. Uh, so the actor Malik 
Pancholi, who played Jax's assistant Jonathan, who was featured singing in this episode, yes, uh, was in the pilot episode of Star Trek Discovery, Vulcan Hello. Oh, I didn't know that. And the 30 Rock episode Subway Hero featured guest star Tim Conway, who was co-starred with Don Knotts in the Apple Dumpling Gang. Tim Conway also made appearances on season two of Sesame Street. <laughs> so Tim Conway's in all three. What a connection. And my, my other all three is Whoopi Goldberg, mm-hmm. who played Guinan on The Next Generation and a few of the movies. She played God in It's a Very Merry Muppet Christmas movie. And she made multiple appearances on 30 Rock, the most notable of which being that Tracy goes to consult with her when he's trying to EGOT. Oh, yeah. I remember that episode. That was she's good. got the EGOT. Mm-hmm. So those are the, the Muppet Trek 30 Rock connections. <laughs> That's wonderful. That I could find this week. I got one. Ooh. Ooh. Um, it's small, but Floyd. Uh, there's a character named Floyd on 30 Rock. Um, Jason today is his character. And oh, Floyd, Floyd Pepper. Is, uh, Floyd Pepper. Yeah, he's one of the um, electric mayhem. Yeah. Oh, very nice. He's he's the guy that gives Fozzie his hip hip sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> and the hit sun- is IMB. You're in the oh, groovy man, club so now. <laughs> so similarities between these episodes. Um, I got a couple for just the Muppet Star Trek at first, and then I have one that's for all three. Yeah, I think I've got one that covers all three. Uh, so both this, uh, both, oh, sorry, both <laughs> both the Muppets and Star Trek have a chorus girl in them in quotations uh, that a man okay. has a strong negative reaction to. So Don Knotts is scared of the uh, chorus girl monster in his dressing room and the spurned lover to the belly dancer in Star Trek because he's the guy with the flat, okay. the flat nose, you know. Man, the most broken nose I've ever seen <laughs> on film. Yeah, the oh worst my gosh, nose. that guy. Uh, that's a good one. Good one. Uh, both feature people passed out. 30 Rock with Don Geis and Trek with Scotty. Oh, there you go. Uh, right. I got an alien that is tranquil on the outside, but crazed on the inside, like Jack the Ripper demon that is crazed for fear inside, but the tranquil detective on the outside. Okay. <laughs> All right. Louie, you got any? Oh, man, I played my Floyd one uh, too early. <laughs> Your uh, Floyd card. That's good. Yeah. It's okay. We can cover it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, in Star Trek, the crew gets in, uh, inoculated <laughs> slash drunk. And on 30 Rock, the crew gets drunk. Oh, that's true. Mm. <laughs> uh, I have all three episodes that we watched have someone who is demoted. Uh, Jack gets demoted to the 12th floor from being, I think, okay. with a CEO, the president. Uh, yeah. Scotty gets demoted to a prisoner from his rank of being an officer. And Fozzie gets uh, demoted from the cool dude shades wearing club. <laughs> <laughs> he was only there for a little bit of time, too. It's he so was. Uh, both uh, 30 Rock and Trek feature a woman in red being flirted with. Liz <laughs> Lemon in her setup for, for Floyd. That was a great and scene. And the belly dancer. Oh, yeah. All right. I don't have any more. Unless, uh, if you got more. Uh, I've got one that covers all three. Nice. All three feature people blaming and turning on each other. The murder suspects, the writers when Liz finds out her sandwich is gone, and Kermit when he thinks he's being blamed for the bad music. That That's true. That is true. Bam. <laughs> What's that noise? Transporter malfunction. Transporter malfunction. 
All right, so this is the part of the show where we transport one character from one episode to another episode and vice versa and all over the place for this. So I don't know how this is going to work. That's um, true. But uh, who wants to go first? All right. I've got a bunch of stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right. This week, Muppets to Trek. Uh, I've got uh, the puppy going over and replacing one of the dead women because we don't know if it's alive. Or not. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I dead captain. <laughs> Uh, and then Muppets to 30 Rock. Uh, I've got Don Knotts going over and replacing Kenneth because they both have that kind of hayseed, humbunkin yeah. kind of feel. <laughs> Louie, you got anything? Um, he wasn't in this episode of 30 Rock, but I want to see Dr. Leo Spichemin oh, yes. As, <laughs> yes. Uh, as Bones on Star Trek. That's amazing. <laughs> Oh my god. It's the future. <laughs> Science is whatever we want it to be. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. Actually, I am a bricklayer. I'm not really a doctor. <laughs> I'm not a doctor either. <laughs> that would be amazing. I agree. I'm uh, unfortunately he's not in this episode, but you're absolutely right. That would be a great switch out. And I think he could easily come over and replace Rolf in veterinarian's hospital. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> with a with a very slight pivot. <laughs> Uh, I have a pretty straightforward one, but I think in this episode in particular, Miss Piggy would be a great replacement for Liz Lemon. Um, just like, you know, really hamming it up and having everyone have to work for her to make her look beautiful before this guy arrives. And I think Miss Piggy would be perfect. In that oh, little you're right. I could see Miss Piggy setting something like this up for Kermit, like a meat cute. Yeah. And then when Floyd, oh, shows, Floyd shows up at her apartment and she's not ready, she's in curlers and she gets all pissed off and just hi-yah, hits him in the face. Crone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Trek to Muppets. I've got a weary Scotty coming over and replacing the patient in veterinarian's hospital. <laughs> that works. Uh, and then Henkist coming over and replacing Kenneth. Cause once again, he had a very kind of like, like Hoboken, Humpkin backwards kind of feel to him. That's true. Lou, you got more? Um, let me see. You could do, oh man, you know what? You could definitely have, uh, <laughs> Um, th this wasn't uh, also very much like a Jack episode of 30 Rock, but you could definitely have William Shatner play Jack. Oh my God. I had the same thing. Versa. Yes. Yeah. I had Captain okay, Kirk I replacing Adam Ball, Alec Baldwin. I can see Krim Kirking it up in that scene where he's smacking around Rip Torn. He's like, you've got to wake up. I can't be on the 12th floor. <laughs> That'd be so great. <laughs> I could totally see that happening. Um, and then I had a. So I had Jack McBrayer to go over to replace Mr. Hengist on Star Trek. He'd be like, mm. I've got to investigate. I can't just let this go. <laughs> like that. Just like have him turn into Satan later. He's like, I'm going to kill like you that. all. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that'd be fun. Um, and Don Knotts is going to replace the belly dancer in the Star Trek episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm with you. Go on. Yeah, yeah. I, that's perfect. Um I think Alec Baldwin should replace Fozzie with the shade being in the Shades Club and everything. And he'd be like so cool. He would stay in the Shades Club. because He's Alec Baldwin. That's he's, true. It's bad. He's Alec Baldwin. Um, and then I want uh, Mr. Hengist to replace Scooter uh, and create a murder mystery on the Muppet Show Theater. <laughs> we're like where he we're like Jack the Ripper goes from Muppet to Muppet and like kills the chickens and like they have to figure out. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would watch that episode. And they finally figure out it's Scooter, the least suspected because he's so sweet and innocent. He's Scooter. Uh, but it turns out to be him the whole time. It was Piglet the whole time. <laughs> uh, I've 30 rock to Trek. I've got Jenna come over and coming over and replacing the belly dancer. 
Uh, because even though she knows she's going to die, she just wants the attention. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. That works. And 30 Rock to Muppets. I've got Kenneth coming over to host the Monster of the Week bit, because I think his kind of wide-eyed innocence would fit in nicely there. Oh, he would have done it better, I think. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Jack McBride. Certainly less just obscene mugging to the camera. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um 30 rock to star trek i i think tracy would be more convincing holding the bloody knife with the murder victim standing right in front of him going i have no idea what just happened i don't remember jackie d yeah with with scotty i'm still red as sus but like with if it was tracy i would be like yeah maybe he is that dumb (laughs) i don't remember (laughs) i don't remember I don't want to do a full impression because I think that's not the computer confirmed. I think it's not appropriate for me to do a full impression in 2021 of Tracy Morgan, but it's so hard not to because his voice is wonderful. He's well, just, he has an iconic voice. He does an iconic um, voice. <laughs> well, before we get into our normal outro, Louie, thank you again for joining us for this special Thanks episode of Muppet Trek. Uh, where and how and how do you want people to find you? So you can find Robots vs. Dinosaurs on uh, pretty much any podcast app, um, Stitcher, uh, Apple, uh, all of them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not listing them in any particular order. Your favorite podcast um, platforms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, we are on Instagram at Robos v. Dinos and nice. Twitter at VS Robots. So if you search for Robots vs. Dinosaurs on any social media, you probably find me. Uh, I do. Um, uh, I, I make a movie poster with like sort of a face swap for every episode that I do. So it's pretty easy to find find it online. Okay. Very nice. Uh, well, so yeah, check it out on Robots versus Dinosaurs. If you like robots or dinosaurs or both, you're going to like mm-hmm. this podcast. And if you're listening to us, you will probably like this podcast. Or if you just like Louie, like just go. If you for just it. like Louie, you're probably going <laughs> to like this podcast. Thanks. But I guess that brings us to the end of episode 43 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for the Muppet Show with special guest Cloris Leachman. And original series episode, The Trouble with Tribbles. So, from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds. <laughs>